up, Coastal? How's everybody doing today? Man, it's so good to be in the house of God. Anybody love Jesus in here? Come on, anybody? All right, then I think I'm at the right place then. TJ said, I, there's a bunch of people that love Jesus. So, And how many of you know it's better to be here than the best hospital in town? Can I have an amen? amen. Come on, it's better to be here than the best hospital. I don't care, you know, what you're going through, but I promise you, it's going to be a lot better in here today because God is in this place. The Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in our midst. So God's here, and that's pretty awesome, right? And I just, I just want to just give it up for your pastor, Pastor TJ, Pastor Shayla. Yes, they are amazing people, and I can tell you that they are the same people on and off this platform. I've known them for the last 15 years, as Pastor TJ said, and I just can't tell you how much that they have blessed my life and blessed my family's life. Shayla and Kristen, my wife, are, are great friends. And, and uh, man, I'm just telling you, you have a gem here as a pastor and as this family. As they lead this church, there is no better place to be in this Coconut Creek area than at Coastal Community Church. Come on, can you give it up for your pastors? I'm telling you. It's amazing what God has done here, and uh, I've just been able to see kind of the journey and the progression, and I, I just was taken back just in our time of worship, just Josh and the team, and man, what a powerful time, and just to see this team and this church grow in just worshiping God, I'm telling you, it blesses my heart. I was here at the very first service, and it's a little different now. I think we've grown. I think things have gotten better, you know, so that's a plus. Give yourself a hand clap for that, yeah? I'll give you an A plus for that. And uh, it's just awesome to see what God is doing. And it is such an honor and a privilege to be with you today. And why don't we do this? Why don't we go to God in prayer? Why don't we just give him the rest of service and the rest of this day? Father, we just thank you so much for just bringing us into this place, the breath of life that you've given us. We don't take it for granted, but God, we, we thank you for it. We praise you for it, God. And I pray that today, Lord, you would just take this service and take the words, God, that come from my mouth and let them not be mine, let them be yours. So, Lord, that we hear from you today, not me, and God, that your presence would be evident and that none of us would leave here the same, but forever changed by you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, as Pastor TJ said, I am the global worship pastor at our church. And I have to tell you, sitting in this seat, it's kind of interesting at times. I love my church. I love the people in my church. But I, I, there's, a, there's a secret agenda for the people in our church. I don't know if it's the same here, but, but there, there's like a, a subculture that they're constantly sending me emails of the songs they want to hear us play in our church. And, and there's like a collective group that I think they get together and they plot. I think they go to Starbucks and they plot like what song should we all send to him so that we could hear it in our church? And it's pretty interesting. I mean, we get everything from Elevation Worship to Hillsong. And, and honestly, even there, it, it goes all the way back to, you know, 20, 20 years ago, Hillsong, 30 years ago, Hillsong, hymns, all of those things collectively. But one song in particular really always seems to rise to the top. And, and it's a song by Hillsong Church uh, called... Um, shout to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever heard Shout to the Lord or know that song. It, it's kind of a, a, a pretty, you know, staple song for the church as we kind of moved in the 90s to a, a new place of doing church and how 
how we worship our God. And, and, but at the same time, if personally, if I could just be honest today, I'm sick of it. Like, I am sick, number one, of that song. But Jesus, please help me. I'm getting my heart right. But number two, I'm just like, that, just that it's constantly always that song. But you know what's also interesting is that I also get other songs. And you can tell that we're doing a good job reaching the people of our community who maybe don't know a whole lot about church or a whole lot about God. Because I get songs like, hey, what about doing a Beatles song? You know, or uh, what about a Led Zeppelin? Come on, let's let the lead out in church, you know? So I began to think, man, would this help our church worship? If, man, if we, if we were to take a shout to the Lord song, you know, shout to the Lord, a staple in our church, and partner it and mash it up with a Led Zeppelin song, would that help us reach the people in our church or maybe even reach more? Well, I don't know. Maybe you should be the judge of that. Let us sing power and majesty, praise to our King. Mountains bow down, and the seas will roar at the call of your name. I sing with joy at the work of your hands. It's something I've been just toying around with. Maybe it would just help our church just kind of go to a new place and worship. <laughs> you know, as we talk about worship, what is worship? Is that worship? Is, is the song, the section that we just got through in our, in our service this morning, is that worship? You know, worship is this kind of thing that we talk about a lot in church, but I think we've done a poor job of really letting the church know what really worship is. And I think from my standpoint as a worship pastor, I think it's part of my duty to tell people what God is looking for in worship. I mean, worship today is really pretty interesting. I mean, it has its own genre of music with its own artists and publicists and fan base. I mean, you can tune in to worship on the radio you can produce it, record it, package it, market it, and sell it at Walmart. There's a worship section at Walmart. You can even get a college degree in worship. And so what is it? What is worship? You know, it's as funny as that song is, what does that mean? What is, is that worship? Is, can I worship to that or, or the music that we play? Or does worship happen outside the four walls of the church? Yeah, I think there are three major misconceptions about worship and what, what it is in our culture today. So I want to give them to you. Here's the first one. Worship is the music that we sing at church. That is often a misconception about what worship is today culturally in our churches. And did you know that there is not a single word in the Bible that refers and is talking about worship 
that correlates with music? Not one. Not one word that when the Bible talks about worship does it have anything to do with music. You know, if worship is only music, then we could package it. We could produce it. We could market it. We could judge it. I believe it like that we, the church, have the responsibility to understand what it is that we're doing and what it is that God has called us to do when it refers to this topic of worship. See, music can be a great tool of worship, but worship is not defined by a genre of music or a style because then if it was that, it would be a preference. It would be I could worship to that or I don't like to worship to this. And and that's not how God has defined worship. Here's the second misconception. Worship is about us. A lot of times we think worship is about us. And we oftentimes make worship about us and for us, our preferences, our taste, our comforts, our opinions, ministering to our needs. I mean, we even do it in church. It's okay. Like, we say, oh, I wish they wouldn't play this song today. Man, you know, or I just, I wish they would play my favorite songs and then I could worship. Or, or maybe, you know, the music's too loud and the music's too soft. I mean, we make it. If we were honest, a little bit about us. Worship has nothing to do with us. Worship is about God. We think that if we make worship about us, then what we say to God is, God, worship is for us. And when we worship, when worship is for us, we become the object of worship. And this is very important. When it becomes about our preferences, our wants, our needs. We say to God, it's for us, and we become the object, and we take the place of God. Coastal, this is really important because this is such a great lie that the devil would love to just speak to you that worship is for you. Worship is not about us. Worship, all of worship belongs to God. It is not about my taste or my preferences, and it's definitely not for me to judge. Come on, somebody. It is by him, for him, and should be all for him. Can I have an amen? Come on, can I have a better amen today? Worship is about him. Here's the third misconception. My worship is determined by my denomination. Now, unfortunately, many of us base about what we know and understand about worship more from a denominational perspective rather than a biblical perspective. The way that we grew up the way that we've seen it done by others, the way that it's been talked about and just honestly modeled for us. And we put this mental image about what worship is based upon a denomination or a tradition or an upbringing. Look at what John 4, 23 says. It says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For check this out, for they are the kind of worshipers, underline that, the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see, even Jesus made note to this misconception. He tells us that there are a lot of different worshipers out there, but he's looking for one in particular, the kind of worshipers that he is seeking. And he even tells us who those worshipers are. He says the ones who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
Yeah, I think it's so important. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of the worshipers that God's not looking for. I want to be one of the ones that he is looking for so that he can use me, that he can grow me, that he can shape me, mold me to be the man or the woman of God that he's called us to be. I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be that. I want to be the kind of worshiper that God is looking for so that he can just have my life and make it a whole lot better than I could ever make it. Come on, how many of you know that God can do a better job with your life than you can do with your life? And I'm so thankful in the times that I've just let go and let God that he has just done the supernatural, that he has done the impossible. And I just am here today to tell you, if you just, that thing that you're holding on to, if you just let go of it and let God, it's amazing and you'll be floored by the blessings and the outpouring of his love and how God will use you in this next chapter of life. So let go, man, let go and just let God and worship him. You know, today I want to talk to you about what worship is from a biblical standpoint. So we talked about what it's not, right? It's not the music. It, it's not for us. And, and honestly, it, it has nothing to do with a denomination or an upbringing of any kind, a tradition. And so what is worship? Well, let's look at the word itself, worship. I think this is really cool. Because it actually comes from an old English word, worthship. So we could say it like this. We could say worthship, and it means the same thing as we know and as we use in our language today as worship. Worship. And it literally means to give something worth. To give something worth. It's easy to remember because we worship God by communicating and demonstrating his value. And, and that's what the word worthy actually means. When we say the word worthy or when we sing the word worthy, it actually means it's worth it. You are worth it, God. When we say you are worthy, what we're saying is, God, you are worth it. What is God worth in your life? You know, it's funny. We were over at some friend's house not too long ago. And I have a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. And our friends had an Alexa, this Amazon little box thing, you know, that you can talk to and give it commands. And it actually will, you know, play music. It'll tell you the weather. It'll, you know, do crazy things. Well, my friend also had some, like, smart lighting in, in his house, which, you know, kind of blows my mind a little bit. But he could talk to Alexa, this little box, and he could say, Alexa, turn the kitchen lights down to 40%. And all of a sudden, oh, made me feel good. Alexa, I need an Alexa in my life. Instead of saying, Kristen, can you bring the lights down to 40%? That's my wife, by the way. I, I, I won't do that because I'll be in the doghouse for like a week. But an Alexa, so this is what's crazy. My five-year-old son, he, it blows his mind. When he sees the lights come down as my friend talked to Alexa, it, was, he, it just blew his mind. For the next two hours, my five-year-old son just started giving Alexa just everything that he could think of just to do. And he was like, Alexa, turn the lights up to 100%. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Alexa, turn it down to 2%. Whoa. You know, it was just like, and he was like, play, play me some Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Play me, uh, you know, uh, Miles from Tomorrowland. He was just naming all of his favorite shows to hear the music. I mean, I think we blew like five circuits in their house that night. 
Uh, it, was, it was crazy. But as we left, I, I sat in the car, and, and I, we were just kind of on our way home. And he just chimes up from the back seat. He says, Dad, I want an Alexa. And I said, well, you know, recently you just told me that you wanted a new dog. And, and he was like, and, and you were going to save your money for that. I, you know, you want an Alexa instead? He's like, yeah, Dad, I want an Alexa instead. I said, well... I mean, you could save your money for that Alexa. And you know what he's been doing? This has been like two months ago. He's been saving his money for Alexa. He does some different chores. He does some different things. His grandparents give him money all the time. So he just has been saving. And the kid has, a five-year-old has $100 saved up that he's on pursuit to get this Alexa for our house. I'm scared to tell him that when he gets it, our house doesn't have any of the things that the other house had. So now he's got to save up for light bulbs and, you know, music players and everything else. Uh, it's going to be a rude awakening. But you know what's interesting is that he is passionate in pursuing this thing. It's taken his attention. It's taken a little bit of his focus. And you know, it's, it's crazy how in this world so many things pull on us. So many things grab our attention and grab our focus. And honestly, if we were truthful, it steals and robs us of our worship. We begin to worship other things, other people, other stuff, and it, we lose our worship. And the devil would love nothing more than to rob you of one of the greatest gifts and the greatest blessing that God has given us. You know, if you think about this, it costs us something to demonstrate value to something, right? I mean, it costs us something. That's why he's saving his money. It's costing him sacrifice to save, to get that Alexa. To value something, we have to put a price on it of $299 for an Alexa. That's why we worship. That's why it, when we talk about worship in the Bible, it's so often associated with sacrifice. See, worship requires sacrifice. And when we sacrifice in our lives, it is worship. And we have to be very careful about this, Coastal. Look at the first place in the Bible that it actually uses this word worship. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And God had told Abraham, Abraham, I want what's most precious to you in your life. I want you to sacrifice to me the most precious thing in your life. And you know what that was? That was his son. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine God just asking me to give up my son or my daughter. It, look at Abraham's response. He said in Genesis 22, 5, he says, we will worship there and then we will come right back. You see, what Abraham is really saying is, I will offer God the most precious Thing in my life, the best that I have, the most valuable thing in my life, I'm going to give that to God because God is worth so much more. I mean, Abraham, the father of our faith, I mean, I, I, would, I don't know if I'd have the boldness. I don't know if I'd have the faith if God asked me to do the same thing. You know, last year, our two-year-old daughter, we had the most horrific phone call we've ever had in our life and it was on June 2nd we pick up the phone and we hear from the doctor that our two-year-old has been diagnosed with AML leukemia and at that moment 
we didn't know what to do. I mean, I remember we were in our bedroom, and me and my wife, we fell to our knees, and we just started crying, and we had no idea what to do. And we had a choice to make. We could stay on that ground. We could just pretend that what was happening in our lives wasn't real. Or we could get up and we put our attention and our focus on God. You know, through that time and through that season, we were in the hospital for seven months. We lived at the hospital for seven months. And can I tell you, I learned more about worship and how important it is in our lives than ever before. Honestly, because of the sacrifice that was involved in it. Here was my helpless two-year-old getting chemotherapy, and there was nothing that I could do. There was no way I could take her place. You know what I learned, church? In our darkest moments, we have some of the most intimate worship. And, you know, in the light, it's easy to worship. On the mountaintop, it's easy to worship. But honestly, in the valley is where we see it flourish and where it grows us and where the blessings abound. And I can stand here today and tell you that on December 2nd, we got a different phone call from our doctor that says that our little girl, our Charlotte, it's cancer-free. She's been completely healed. And to God be the glory for that. Worship is sacrifice. Sacrifice is worship. God desires a holy sacrifice, one that he knows he's captured your whole heart. Look at this in Exodus. It says, speak to the children of Israel that they will bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. Look at what it says in 1 Chronicles. Look at what David said. He says, I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. Listen, church, if the cross proves how much we are worth to God, then our worship proves how much God is worth to us. I just want to say that again because that's good preaching. If the cross proves how much we are worth to God, then our worship proves how much God is worth to us. Can I have an amen? So what's God worth to you? What's worth the most in your life right now? Is it God? Because if it's not, your worship might be stolen right now. It might be robbed. You might be missing out on some amazing blessings. It's worship. I want to give you a, a couple of expressions of worship that we find in the Bible that is very practical. See, God doesn't just tell us about worship and that it's about giving due worth to something, but he also tells us how he desires his people to worship him. And these are very practical. We do it even here at Coastal Community Church. See, Coastal is not based on tradition. The way that we worship here is not based on some you know, Pentecostal or charismatic or denominational dogma, but it's based on biblical doctrine. It means that we don't lift our hands 
because it's tradition. We lift our hands because the Bible tells us to. That's why we worship the way that we do here at Coastal. So here's the first expression that God wants you to know of how he desires us to worship. Clapping. Very simple. Clapping. That's in the Bible. And there are two reasons for clapping in the Bible. The first one is this, victory. Clapping expresses a victory. Can I tell you, when I got that phone call on December 2nd that she was cancer-free, I clapped. I was like, yeah, that's some good news. We got the victory. Look at this scripture in Nahum 3.19. It says, all who hear news of you will clap their hands over you. And this is referring to when the king of Azaria was defeated. See, what would happen in this time is when, when a city or a people would defeat another people, they would bring their captured into their town. They would line the streets and they would clap as their enemy, the defeated, would walk past them. Victory. Saying, yeah, we won. We're victorious over you. Clapping expresses victory. Here's the second reason that we clap. Expresses joy. Clapping expresses joy. Very simple. Look at Isaiah 55, 12. says, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in the singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Very simply, when we clap our hands in worship, we're expressing victory over the enemy and joy unto the Lord. Clapping. Here's the second one. Singing. Singing. Yeah, singing. Psalm 96.1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song only if you're good. <laughs> sing to the Lord all the earth only if you're on the worship team. No, it doesn't say those things. God just wants us to sing. He wants to sing the new song from your heart that he's placed inside of you. Look at this in Numbers 21. It says, from there they went to Be'er, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses. Now, it's pronounced Be'er, not beer. So don't walk out of here and say, I learned at Coastal that there's a well full of beer in the Bible. It's not. It's pronounced Be'er. All right, so then it goes on. It says, gather the people together. This is God. Gather them together, and I will give them water. Now, by the way, this was a dry, dry well. No water here. And then this is what happened in verse 17. It says, then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well. All of you sing to it. You know what God says? To the dry places in your life, if you'll sing, I'll spring up a well. For some of you that you've gotten some things in your business right now that you're kind of questioning, listen, you don't know what to do. Maybe customers aren't coming. Maybe new accounts aren't happening. God says, listen, if you'll sing to a business owner, I'll spring up a well. Maybe for you, you've been trying to have a child and you've gotten a bad report from the doctor that you're barren. Listen, if you'll sing to that dry well, God will spring it up. Spring up a well. And that's what happened. That's how he gave his people water was through the song in their heart. God wants us to express our love to him, express worship to him in our singing. It's really simple. Do you know that all of these dry places in our life, if we had turned our attention and our focus to God and stopped putting our attention on our problems, that we could just turn everything around maybe by just singing to him? That's a crazy thought. Does that make sense? You know, there's a lot of things in God's word that just maybe don't make sense to us. But when we do it, 
God is faithful to his word to the end. Here's the third thing, bowing and kneeling. Bowing and kneeling. We're going to go quick. i got to hurry. Here we go. Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, let me tell you the difference between bowing and kneeling. Bowing represents submission. When you enter the courts of a king, you are expected to bow. Listen, church, one day the Bible says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, whether willingly or unwillingly, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Bowing represents submission. Submission. And here's what kneeling represents. Kneeling represents honor. When a man kneels to propose to that woman, what is he doing? Is he submitting to her? No, that happens after they're married. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, he's representing her. He's honoring that woman. He's saying, will you be my wife? I honor you with this gesture. Let me ask you something. Why not honor Jesus? Why not honor him? Has he ever done anything good in your life? Man, honor him that we kneel before the Lord, our maker. Here's the last one, lifting hands. Lifting hands. Yeah, we went there. Lifting hands. So what does lifting hands mean? A lot of us think that lifting hands is a very denominational, very traditional setting. Let me tell you something. It's in God's word. It's in God's word a lot. Now, culturally, culturally, lifting hands represents surrender. It represents, I give up. I surrender. Let me ask you something. What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong to just surrender maybe the situation or the circumstance that you're faced with? Man, absolutely not. That we surrender unto the Lord. You say, yeah, Jordan, but come on, man. You're a worship leader. I mean, you're paid to lift your hands in worship. Listen, can I tell you, I am at that same place more often than not that what are people going to think of me? What if I have the, I'm holding the TV or widescreen? Or I caught a fish this big. Or hold my baby. Or YMCA Rocky touchdown. What are people going to think if that's, that's how I worship? Are they looking at me? You know, when I think about myself in the context of lifting my hands, I'm doing the very thing that we first talked about in worship is becoming about me. This is the gesture that God is asking us to do. So culturally it means surrender. Here's what it means in the Bible. Biblically, lifting hands represents blessing. To the one whom you lift your hands to is blessed. Check this out in Psalm 63, 4. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, notice how the Bible says we can bless God. Did you know that you can bless God? And and by the way, David says, I'm going to do it while I live. I'm not going to wait till heaven. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to honor you now. Listen, many of us think, I'm going to worship a certain way when I get to heaven. I'm not going to have to worry about all this stuff. Listen, why wait? Why wait till we get there? Let's do it now. Come on, God is worthy of all of that. He's worth our worship. Look at um, Luke 24, 50, and it says, He, this is Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Here's another great question. If Jesus will lift up his hands and bless you, Will you lift up your hands and bless him? Blessing. 
Psalm 134 says this, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I mean, I don't know if it gets much clearer than that. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. When we come together in corporate worship, the Bible instructs us that God is asking us to express our love, our devotion to him by lifting our hands and worshiping him with this gesture. So can we bless God today? Come on, church, let's bless God. Come on, let's do it. We bless you, God. We bless you in this place. It's all about him. It's all for him. Yeah, you can put your hands down. We bless him. We bless him. Listen, let me ask you this. If Jesus were to walk through those doors right now, how would you worship him? How would you express your love to him? You know, the very first passage of scripture that I gave you this morning as I spoke, I said that the Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, that he is in our midst. So oftentimes we think about things in the earthly rather than the eternal. We look to things in the worldly perspective rather than the worthy perspective. I want to challenge you today, Coastal, to worship God and understand that he is in this place every time that you come together. He is in this place when you get together in your groups. He is with you. He is in your midst. Don't hold back. Don't wait until this picture that you have in your mind about how I'm going to give it all to God in heaven. Don't wait. Give it to him now because he's worth it. He's worthy of it all. He's worth your whole life. He's worth all of your finances. He's worth your business. He's worth your family. He's worth your children. He's worth it all. So let's not wait. Let's do it now. And let's worship him, not based on tradition, not based on religion, but out of the very relationship and out of the very word and instructions that he gives us through his word. Let's worship from that place. Let's not let this world dictate our worship any longer. Let's let God's word dictate our worship. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just ask right now that you would just move in our hearts God that you would challenge us that you would grow us that you would bring us to a new place father of trusting you Lord this worship thing that we're talking about is about trust it's about sacrifice it's about surrender and so God we we ask that you would help us to let go of these things that we count as precious and to not let them take the place of you the most precious one the only one that's really, truly worth our worship. God, we give you our hearts today. And we give you our worship. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, just for another moment, every eye closed. If you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. Because you can't worship him the way that we're talking about until you have relationship with him. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I just want you to lift up your hand really quick. You, nobody's looking around. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to the front. Just lift up your hand so I, I can understand and I can pray with you today and lead you in that prayer. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right, here we go. One, two, three. If that's you, lift up your hand. Love to pray with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, amazing. Come on, amazing. That is amazing. Yes, thank you, ma'am. 
Thank you, ma'am. You're making an amazing gesture of worship even unto God right now. All right, would you say this prayer in your heart as I say it out loud? Jesus, I need you. I recognize it now more than ever before. And this world has been robbing me of understanding. It's stealing my blessing. It's stealing my worship. And any, not any longer is it going to happen that I turn my heart to you. And I ask, Jesus, you take control of my life. That you come into my heart. That you change me from the inside out. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.